There is a library that exists at the Nexus where all other universes collide. Inevitably, things wind up there by mistake. Books, artifacts, people. This is the place where things from all universes end up when they get lost. This is the Eternity Archives. Previously on the Eternity Archives. Check your journal. We're being sent out. The library has zeroed in on an anomaly. We're not sure what, but something really isn't right down there. The target world is high magic, high biodiversity, low tech. We've all heard of it. A place called Faerun in the so-called Forgotten Realms. Seems like we have to send archivists out there every damn week, so this is a good chance for us to really get our feet wet. We have an agent in-world already, but he's gotten himself into a bit of trouble, and we've lost contact. If we find him, he might be able to help us zero in on the anomaly. Otherwise, we're on our own. back to the Eternity Archives, an actual play podcast. In this episode, we're continuing with 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. In our last episode, we discussed some of the rules and game mechanics, and now you're about to see them in action. But first, let's reintroduce you to your hosts and the characters we're playing. I'm Dorka, my pronouns are she, her. My character is Zenzora, aka Zen, aka Sir Barely Appearing in this episode. I'm taking on the role of the anchor in this game, so while you'll be seeing a lot of Rill and Linda, Zen is chilling back at the library, offering her insight from above. Instead of playing, I'll be guiding my co-hosts through the story and throwing obstacles in their way. Uh, I'm Ziva. My pronouns are she, her. Uh, My character is Linda, the lovable office lady turned halfling bard, who is still looking for an interdimensional chilies for some happy hour margaritas and skillet queso. My name is Kite, my pronouns are they, them, and I am playing Real de Jaquel, who is a feral tiefling, and in the 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons universe, they are a Horizon Walker Ranger. They can't drink margaritas, they get about maybe two sips in, and then they're, they're done. They're a very <laughs> cheap date, if anyone ever took them out to dates. We ended our last episode with Rail and Linda stepping through the book drop, transporting from the magical library they call home and into the world of Faerun. Our mission to find and extract an unknown anomaly, something that's ended up in the incorrect world by mistake. They don't know much beyond the approximate location, but if they can find their agent on the ground, an elf named Zephyrain, he might be able to help them narrow down their search. So let's go ahead and pick up right where we left off. You ready to go? Yeah, yeah maybe you can it. help us find a, a Chili's. all right maybe so it's early morning and the air is crisp and cool frost just starting to melt off of the rare tufts of mountain grass the town of skullcrag is small and contained protected by log palisades but from your vantage point you can see what little there is to see Most of the buildings are fairly small, shops and homes, but you can make out a few larger fixtures, a couple of taverns, an inn. There's no cropland to speak of, but you can see some enclosures for smaller animals, and a network of tracks running from the surrounding mountains to what appear to be warehouses on the perimeter. There's a wide dirt path leading into the village, with narrow tracks cut into the ground from decades of caravan travel, though it appears to be empty right now. The only other thing of note is a large, looming boulder just outside the town walls, overshadowing them. The ground around this boulder looks well-trodden. In fact, you can just make out a few figures standing near it now. In every other direction, there are mountains, and Zen is already whistling in your ear. Okay, yeah, she says. I can see why they want you to find this Zephyr guy first. Saying the mountains doesn't narrow it down much. Yep. There sure are a lot of mountains. There sure are, especially especially that, that spooky one, that big old boulder. Is that, I wonder if that's the skull crag itself? Uh, what even is a skull crag? I'm, I'm guessing a crag that looks like a skull? Uh-huh. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Not because I don't want to, but because I don't know. Well, I appreciate <laughs> your team spirit. So I guess... I guess we should probably just head into town. It doesn't look like there's a whole lot else going on. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, that's probably the best way. I don't really know anything else about the layout of this place, and I'm assuming Zen doesn't really either, so... Zen, do we have a, a map or anything on our journals that could help us as we head into town? A map of the surrounding areas is very simple. It really is just mountains and this okay. town. And this town is on a road. The town appears to be on a pass through the mountains. Got it. Okay, so it's kind of like um, like a rest stop almost. Yes. Okay, okay, cool. Like a highway oasis. Yeah. Uh, so Rill would put away their cookies. Um, I guess would be uh, say what we're wearing in D&D land. Hell yeah. Yeah, tell me what you're wearing. Okay. Uh, so before they were just wearing like probably like an oversized hoodie and I don't know, shorts and like fucked up sneakers. And now they uh, are wearing like a fantasy ranger-esque outfit with like a leather tunic and slacks boots and like a hooded cloak. And they probably have a, a dagger somewhere cool. And uh, I believe a longbow. Yes, they have two daggers actually. They look like a dope ass ranger character. That sounds fucking cool. Linda is wearing some really simple leather armor um, over some like hardy stout wooden sorry woolen garments she is also wearing um, a very jaunty blue hat with a big old bow on it she's got a yellow cape that flows behind her um, some very sensible boots perfect for trekking around she also has her rapier on one hip a dagger kind of tucked into her belt on the other side and a big old mountain dulcimer slung across her back ready for barding because she's a halfling she um, looks a little bit ridiculous in her enormous hat but she also has a halfling-sized dulcimer, so that makes life a little bit easier. So so how much height did she lose going from human to halfling? And how does she feel about that? She's probably cool with it. Like, I don't think she's one of those people who's like, who has any problem with being on the shorter side unless other people are jerks about it. So yeah, she doesn't have, she doesn't have a huge problem. She probably lost, I don't know, how tall are halflings? Like three and a half feet? Four feet? That sounds about right. Yeah, so she probably lost, like, a foot. Like, she was pretty short to begin with, so. Yeah, Rill's just like, uh, I like your hat. That is a very fucking cool blue. Looks good on you. Thank you! And she sweeps it off with a big flourish, and she's clearly enjoying the shit out of this. Like, this is way better than when she wore that sweater to the Christmas party that had, like, the light-up Christmas tree on it. This is, like, even better <laughs> than that. She's pumped. Uh, yeah, and I guess uh, Rill would probably put their cloak on. Just they're not super comfortable in clothes that are like actually fitted to their body, so they would pull up that hood and then just like, uh, I I guess we should head into town. Let's and let's just, go. Just start either following Linda, I guess, if Linda takes the lead, or very slowly shuffling towards the town so that Linda would eventually overtake them anyway. <laughs> Probably that one. I feel like Linda would want to lead, but um, but she's not used to halfling legs yet, and she's stout, so she's, like, a little slower. Because <laughs> um, she's just, like, solidly built. It's a it's an endurance thing, so. She has to take, like, three steps for every one of her else. Yeah, for, that sounds about right. But she catches up. Like, she's she's keeping pace. Linda's an energetic person, so she's, like, right there with you. Yeah, and Rill's the opposite. So their footsteps are just, like, small shuffling. It's kind of a wonder they haven't tripped yet. <laughs> it probably occurs to Linda that, like, that actually works out really nicely. This is good. We're a good team. We're ready for this. All right, so you're heading to town? Is All this right, a town that's it. racist against tieflings? Is this something I have to be worried about? <laughs> Hopefully, since they're a fantasy world on a pass, they're not racist against anybody, but let's find out. All right, so it's an uneventful walk. This is a well-established path, and it's all downhill. So it's very easy, and before you know it, you are coming up on the walls. A pair of knights in shining armor regard you carefully as you approach. They seem almost out of place as you do, guarding the ramshackle walls of this small town. They seem like they belong somewhere much more important, much richer than this place. Do they have like a banner or anything? No. Okay. Okay, so that makes me like immediately curious. So I think Linda is gonna chat them up and try and figure out what their deal is. <laughs> Alright, so as you approach, uh, one of them opens his mouth to say something, his eyes fixed on Rill. 
The other one stops him, laying a hand on his arm before he can say anything offensive. Oh my god. Oh boy. <laughs> Rill's just like, ugh, fuck. <laughs> and just kind of, kind of like dead stares at the guy. But really internally, they're just like, uh, socializing. <laughs> and they kind of like hide behind Linda. Like obviously physically they can't, but you can kind of tell their uh, composure is very meek, I guess. So I'm guessing that Linda notices that, that Rill's trying to hide behind her. Probably. <laughs> okay, so they use her as like a psychic shield, basically. Yeah, yeah, like their tails kind of like <laughs> uh, wrapped around their Aww. own leg, I guess. Kind of like their posture is even worse than usual, maybe. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. <laughs> so the, the second knight, the one who stopped the first one, she calls out, state your business. And her tone clearly suggests that she is just... She's tired. She doesn't want to be here. She's not paid enough for whatever job they have her doing. I mean, how how honest do we want to be? I, I'm a bard, so like I have a good excuse to be anywhere, basically. I think we could be pretty honest. Like, we're just travelers, right? Yeah, that's true. Like, we're just passing through and trying to um, find a friend. Okay, so then, if you don't mind, I'm going to let Linda take the lead on this one, since... Yes. Since Rill's not super into this, so Rill's like, please go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Linda goes up to the guard. I mean, she has, she's got to get a little bit close since the whole halfling thing. And she says, "Oh, hi there. Uh, so we are just two travelers working on our way through the mountains. We're looking for a friend of ours, and uh, we're hoping that maybe he stayed at one of the inns here. And you know, while I'm here, I pluck a few strings, might sing some songs. You know, who can use a little extra coin in their pocket." The knight looks down at you, and she's just like, oh, your friend, is he an adventurer? I, I guess you could say that. I, I, well, I guess adventurer is close enough. She just murmurs, fucking of course, and nudges the other knight. And she turns back to you. She says, well, good luck in there. Don't cause any trouble. No problem. You all have a nice day now. Enjoy the weather. <laughs> Um, while they were talking, could I do like a perception check just to see if there's anything else off about this kind of like entryway outpost besides these knights, which like, I guess already comes off as strange because they're knights and not like guards. That's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll roll, uh, perception. Uh, which, okay, please don't fuck me over, dice. <laughs> please, I don't want to roll a one again as- <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Oh, fuck. Uh, okay, I will deal with that. It is a six, and then my perception is a plus four, so I rolled a ten. Okay. The two knights, they're both pretty young. Like, the woman is probably 20 years old or so, and the man is even a little bit younger. Their armor is shiny, it's new. The man's armor, though clearly functional, is highly decorated, suggesting he's probably noble-born. Both of them carry swords at their sides, they match, and they both just kind of seem unenthusiastic about the whole thing. It doesn't look like either of them are from here. Okay. Um, I think Rill would, like, tug on <laughs> Linda's cape and kind of, like, Ne not not like kneel down, but like I guess like bend over a little bit to like whisper in her ear and be like, uh, should we ask them like why they have such an issue with adventurers? Like, is something going on in the town? You know, mm. uh, might be good information for us to to find out. I guess you know only only if you want to ask, it's fine. I mean, I don't, I don't, whatever. I don't care. Well, sorry, I'll shut up. So I guess we could ask them, but I was more thinking about getting into town and like trying to figure out what's happening in there because I don't want them to get offended and not let us in town. Actually, that makes sense. You know, you, uh, sorry, it was, a, it was a stupid idea. No, it was not a stupid idea. I'll, I'll, I'll stop. It was a great idea. No, keep talking. I love it when you talk. So we're just like bickering, like, like sweet married people, like directly in front of us. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then Rilla we'll just like probably, I guess we, we decided that tieflings can have prehensile tails, right? <laughs> Yes. Yes. Okay. Rill would like to use their tail to hold on to Linda's hand. <laughs> I think that is totally valid. And I think Linda would like gently lead them into town. Okay. Sounds good. As you walk past the knights, 
you just hear the the woman smacks the man on the back and says, "Stop staring. It's not like you've never seen a tiefling before." Oh no. Rill is just like, I don't know, trying to ignore it and <laughs> just following after Linda. And Linda is definitely uh not a huge fan of what she's hearing going on and is going to be doing her best to keep an eye on everyone, but especially on Rill as they are in town. As you pass through the gates, it strikes you that Skullcrag is even smaller than it appeared from up above. This feeling is exacerbated by the fact that the streets are full of people. It's easy to pick out the locals from their simple clothing, dirt-smudged faces, and the looks of disdain that they're shooting at anyone who appears out of place, which right now is damn near everyone. You can see why there are knights stationed at the front gate. All manner of folk with well-made armors and exotic weapons are flooding the street, overwhelming the simple town. It's mid-morning by now, and it seems like everyone has somewhere to be. One person after another jostles by you in the street, not even pausing to apologize. Several merchant stalls and street-side shops are opening up their shutters and throwing open their doors, eager for the business, even as they shake their heads at the wild extravagance of their adventuring guests. Fucking tourists. Is there anything we can see that would explain it? Is there like a festival or something? It does not appear to be so. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. I guess what shops are there near us? The market is small. There are only a few stalls and storefronts really selling the basics. Fruit and crops are sold at a premium because everything's imported from nearby towns. And the blacksmith and tailor only have the most functional of wares. Right now, though, it seems that everything is fetching a higher price. The villagers are taking full advantage of this influx of people. Can I, like, look around and see who the friendliest-looking adventurer seems to be near us? Yeah. Okay. Uh, perception? 10 plus 14? Or 10 plus 4, sorry. Uh, <laughs> 14. I wish I had a plus 14 of my perception. So, most of the adventurers are rushing about their business, and if you try to stop them to talk, they'll brush you off. Some more rudely than others. No one really seems to have the time to stop and talk. You'll actually see that um, by now, small groups of them are starting to actually leave town. And the rest are going through the markets and basically buying up what they can. Are the groups clearly together? Is it like, like they are leaving in droves or they are leaving as part of groups? They are leaving in small groups. It seems that there are basically a whole bunch of different adventuring parties Oh, here. okay. That's what my guess was, is there must be some kind of quest or something in town. Yeah, Ro would uh, kneel down, not kneel down, but bend over to talk into Linda's ear and just be like, uh, I have a guess that our unknown anomaly is probably the cause of all these adventuring parties. Maybe we could ask someone and they would... They, they could tell us what exactly is going on. I think that's a really good idea. I, I bet there's something going on. Is this normal? This doesn't seem normal to me. Zen, is this normal? This does not seem normal for a town this small. My journal says that this is just a mining town. Hmm. There are barely 200 people who live here. Well, this is definitely more than 200 people. So... It's like an anime convention. <laughs> Okay, how many cosplayers are there? Everyone's in costume. <laughs> oh, sh oh, shit. <laughs> what was I just going to say? So, I have, as in Linda has, two ideas. One of which is that we can keep trying to see if there's someone who can talk to us. And two is that I could put a show on here in the square with my super cool dulcimer. And we'll see who wants to hang around. And maybe they'll chat to us after the show. That's an option. Uh, Real just kind of like looks at her with just like this dumbfounded like look on their face, and they're just like, um, "I there's definitely one I prefer, but I imagine there's one you definitely prefer more." You know what? I'm not gonna try to stop you. I I support you and your endeavors and antics. So I guess the other option would be. We could maybe go to the tavern and see if we can chat up a barkeep. Bartenders love to talk to complete strangers. Uh, I, I talked to people at tavern last time. I, I've met my quota for the 
year. We should just, you know, if you want to perform, we should just do that. Okay. That might in- endear us to the mm, townsfolk. That's a good thought. Yes, that's a really good thought. So, you know, maybe we can even get tips or something from it. I, I don't know. Wonderful. I am going to put my hat on the ground. I am going to find something tall to stand on. And you are going to wander around the crowd and see if anyone says anything interesting while they're watching. Does that work? Yeah, uh, I think so. That that seems fine. I will be the lookout. Wonderful. You've got this. You've got this, dear. And so... Uh, is there is there like a fountain or a crate or a barrel or anything nearby that Linda can stand on? Just st- stand on rail. <laughs> there is definitely not a fountain. This is not a fancy enough town for that. There are some like crates and barrels next to some of the market stalls. Okay. Linda is going to find the least grumpy looking market stall. And the least grumpy market stall. Um, least grumpy guy at the market stall. Um, and climb up on like a big barrel or a crate, probably like a couple crates next to it. So she's, you know, sort of above the head height of the crowd. Okay. Okay. Uh, Rill would go over to that market stall and like kind of just drop a gold coin <laughs> as if like an apology to the shopkeeper. And this, this is a fruit seller. This is, you're standing on some banana boxes. This is a banana stand. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I hate bananas. <laughs> Oh, God. I'll remove a gold from our, our pouches. And then I guess for good measure, Rill would also patronize this uh, banana stand and give them 10 silver for a banana. <laughs> that is how much a banana costs. <laughs> Wait, really? How much could one banana cost? $10? <laughs> I told you, fruit's at a premium here. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Uh, yeah, so Rill has purchased a singular banana and has put in their great um i will let you keep track of banana on your own i'm not i'm not besmirching my pouch with a banana does linda have like a vendetta against no me personally i ziva have a vendetta against bananas linda made a batch of banana nut muffins once that didn't turn out too well and she's never been the same (laughs) that's probably correct man you're better at lore than me okay her origin story yeah that that seems about right yeah, I guess before Linda starts performing, Rill would try to like blend into the crowd and um, make themselves a little bit scarce while also eavesdropping. I don't know if you want me to make a roll for that or anything. Well, I would like Linda to do a performance check Hell first. yeah. So uh, Linda throws her hat on the ground with another flourish and twirls her cape around her and says, Adventurers, I bring to you the great tales of Linda the Bard. And then I roll a... 14 plus 4, so an 18 on my performance check. Fuck yeah. So what are you uh, What are you talking about? So I am, I'm playing my dulcimer, and I'm going to sing of the great tales of the famous warrior cat Garfield <laughs> and his quest to slay the very large lasagna. All right, so as you're doing that, people are still just kind of rushing by. Uh, a few people slow down a little bit, toss a, a copper piece in your hat. The banana stand lady is not unhappy about it because more people are like walking by her stall and buying her bananas. So, real, you can go ahead and do a, I guess, a perception check. Okay. Uh, 12 plus 4, so I got a 16. So a few people slow down and stop, but they're usually in groups. And usually when one person stops, their companions will rush them along. You'll hear them saying, like, we've got to go. Like, we, we want to get a head start. We, we don't want the others to catch up to us. Um, okay, so what I want to do is... If there's like a pair of people or something that kind of like one person stops and the other person kind of nudges them along, could I try to like pretend to bump into them to like stop them and be like, oh, oh God, I, I'm so sorry. Uh, where are you guys headed to? I'm, I'm so sorry for stopping you on your very important journey. So you ask them where they're headed? Yeah, yeah. The look they give you is Uh-oh. so <laughs> mean. They're just like, oh, as if we would tell you. Uh, because why? <laughs> why would we tell you? Why do we tell anyone? We don't want you to get there first. I mean, get where? Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, let's keep it that way. 
Do you want a banana? <laughs> they they do not want bananas, and they collect all their stuff that fell down and, and move on. Did, did anything fall out that I could have used to glean information that I could maybe try to sleight of hand steal? <laughs> just like they're just like one of them dropped their sword. Oh, okay. They are all like armed armored some of them with like rare and exotic and magical items oh power levelers <laughs> um real is just like so shook they are so shooketh by that uh and they are just like well i'm gonna go find a crate to crawl under and then they would go back towards the banana stand and then probably uh do bananas come in crates or do they come in barrels? They come in bananas crates. come in crates. And they're okay. always full of tarantulas. Fun fact. Oh. Oh, uh, real actually doesn't mind spiders. Why are they filled with tarantulas? Because <laughs> the tarantulas can hide in the bananas on the pl- banana plantations. And so it's like super common for them to stow away in big crates of bananas. And then they open them at the grocery store and like a tarantula jumps out. Well, these did not come from plantations. These are free range bananas. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, these are bananas roam free. Okay. <laughs> they're they're cage free grass fed bananas. <laughs> um. Yeah, Rill would probably go back to the banana stand and just like slink behind some crates and then just like sit down, just like holding their knees to them, just like, nope, nope, we're done here. <laughs> so the banana stand lady seems to, to take pity on you. And after the uh, the performance, she looks down at, at Rill, just like curled up on the ground and is like, you're not here for the treasure, are you? Uh, I mean, I don't even know what the treasure is just like people have just been like really mean today and it and it kind of you know i'm kind of a soft person and i don't know what's going on and people are just being really mean so i think linda would hop down from her crate now that she's done performing and like kind of like wrap her cloak around you and give you a give you a there there and start gently unpeeling the banana to feed to you so you're not at least hungry while you're sad <laughs> just just like baby bird bites of this banana <laughs> well that would imply she's spitting it in yeah i don't oh, God, i don't think no. linda's that close with real but linda <laughs> linda does like like just start gently unpeeling it and like holding it to your mouth like have a snack okay maybe nibbles yes. i guess <laughs> so the banana the banana lady is like well i think everyone just assumes that you're here for the same reason as them you're you're obviously not local would you happen to know what exactly this uh treasure or whatever is you know just so i can just so we can steer clear of it we're just here looking for a a friend oh well hmm. yeah we don't get a lot of visitors but uh about a week ago a we don't know what it was it looked like a star fell from the sky and everyone's trying to find it why is it's probably just a rock like why are people trying to find a stupid stupid sky rock Obviously, it probably contains some great power. What? Why would people just assume that? (laughs) She gestures out of the mountain range, and she says, There are a lot of monsters and creatures out there, but in the past week, some magical creatures that aren't common in this area have started appearing. And so we think that whatever this thing is has probably had some effect on the mountain range. Okay, well, that's, I guess, you know, correlation is not equal causation, you know? Like, who knows? Maybe to the... And they just eat more banana. <laughs> she just shrugs and she's like, look, I just appreciate the extra business. So I think in addition to feeding Rill some banana, does Linda have a picture of Zeparine, like in the journal? Yes. Okay, so I think Linda is also going to want to ask the banana stand lady if she has seen Zephyrine. Um, I know a lot of people have passed through this town, but is there any chance you've seen our friend? He's a relatively distinct looking fella, and she like holds the book up. So she looks at that, and she nods, and she says, Oh, yeah, this one was here before the others all started arriving. Almost like he knew something was going on. He's mostly been hanging out at the taverns, like he's waiting for something. Have you seen him in particular at any specific tavern? She doesn't normally go to those places herself, so she couldn't tell you. Okay. Uh, well, thank you for your help. What What is your name, by the way? My, my name's Rill. Her name is Elena. 
Okay. Thank you so much for your help, Elena. I'm Linda the Bard. Uh, if I have a business card, a Bard card, <laughs> I'd give it to you, but unfortunately I don't. So uh, you just give me a call if you need anything at all, all right? Um, okay. And then Rill also gives Elena one of their chocolate chip cookies as a treat. And she, she takes a bite out of it and she's just like, this is, this is the most amazing thing I've ever had. Isn't it? It's fucking lit. I wish I had more cookies. And then Rill would wave at Elena and then I guess start looking for taverns? Yeah, I think we should go to one of the taverns. That seems like a good place to start. Uh, Dorka, did you say there were like two taverns and an inn? So there are two taverns and they both double as the inns in this town. What do they look like slash what are they called? Despite the small size of the town, there are two of them. The one closest to the market is the Seeking Star Inn, and its sign is so freshly painted over that you can still smell the paint on it. Apparently they've changed their name very recently, probably to appeal to all the glory-seeking adventurers in town. It might be the largest building in town, with two stories, guest rooms on both floors, and an attached stable. The other tavern, the Harpy's Haunt, is much less appealing in comparison. It's a lot smaller, with only a few rooms, no in-house entertainment. One might wonder how they manage with such grand competition, and the short answer is that they don't. Even from the outside, it's apparent that the place is much more rundown. Ro would, like, look at the Seeking Star Tavern, and just, like, look at it, and then look at Linda, and then look back at it, and be like, they really weren't very subtle, were they? Not at all. That is, uh... That is aggressive. Reminds me of spring break back at home. You just get fucking tourists everywhere and just uh, pop-up shops. Boo. You guys are fucking chills. (laughs) (laughs) Just just like give a thumbs down at the the tavern. Give it a negative fantasy Yelp review. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I think Linda would be slightly minorly taken aback by like booing and cursing at an establishment out loud in a crowd. But... Uh, she definitely agrees about the sentiment that, like, it seems like a really, like, aggressively touristy place. And not like a TGI Fridays where, like, you can still have fun, but, like, like south of the border. <laughs> like, aggressive. Yeah. It is exactly like that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, even real, they are very quietly booing in their deadpan voices, like, boo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess are there windows? I'm, I'm assuming there are windows, right? Like, could I go up to the window and sort of, like, look inside to yeah. view the premises? Okay, can I see if uh, Ze- Zephyrine is in the... I'm guessing the Seeking Star is the first one that we come upon? Yeah, that one's closest to the market. Okay, yeah. Uh, I guess, could I see if Zephyrine's in there? Kind of, like, do a quick sweep through the window? Yeah, so you look through the window, and there are a lot of people in there. They've even got a musician inside, even this early in the morning, like, playing the lute with cheery enthusiasm. Ugh. They've got, like, a full wait staff. This place is, like, Disney World, but a tavern. So it's the Denny's across the street from Disney World. <laughs> it's the Denny's across the street from <laughs> Disney World. You don't see Zephyrine, though. Mm, okay. So a part of Rill is just like kind of anti-establishment and just sort of like wants to go in there to like ruin their business. But at the same time, they are also terrified of everyone. <laughs> so, so they kind of stand there and think about what it, what they could do to ruin their business. And it's just like this very <laughs> far off stare. There's no capitalism allowed on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um. And I guess they kind of sigh and just be like, uh, yeah, I, I didn't see any Zephyrine in there. Uh, or at least no one that looks like him. Uh, is there anything you, you'd want to do since we're here? I think she takes a peek through the window and she sees the other bard playing. She just kind of like tightens her lips and is like, no. <laughs> uh, I bet I bet you could do better than you should have a bard <laughs> off. Honestly, like. I think Linda would like consider it. And then uh, remember the time that she did a karaoke battle at the work Christmas party and then realized that maybe some things are not to be. Rill is just like looking at her with like (laughs) peer pressure. (laughs) Like they want it so bad. (laughs) And I think 
Uh, even though Linda's been a bard for like 20 minutes, she's like super into it and giving her Garfield performance really like sealed that deal for her. So she like thinking about it. She'll keep that in the back of her head, but uh, we'll see. So I think the next thing that Linda would want to do anyway is to go check out the Harpy's Haunt and see if they notice Zephyrine over there. Rill would just follow okay. Linda then. Are there windows on the Harpy's Haunt too? There are. Are you guys just looking through the windows? Yes, we're just being yeah. nosy at this point. <laughs> okay, so you're looking through the windows, and it's not very full, but most of the people in there appear to be locals. So it seems like the Seeking Star appeals more to passing merchants and adventurers, while the Harpy's Haunt is the local dive. The prices are much lower here, too. There are a few people in there, but you don't see Zephyrine in there, either. Hmm. Since there's less people in there, I think Rill would be more inclined to go in and try to talk to people and see if they can get some information on Zephyrine. And then Rill would just mention that to Linda. Like, uh, I mean, uh, Elena said that Zephyrine kind of um, frequented these taverns. So I think maybe hopefully one of these people will recognize him. Maybe. I think that's a good call. I think smaller tavern first, and then we'll go over to the tourist tavern. But I don't think we're going to get any personal attention over there. When Linda mentions the touristy tavern, Rill just like uh, narrows their eyes. <laughs> just like, ugh. <laughs> and, then, and then they would uh, enter the Harpy's Haunt. Okay. All right. So in this tavern, there's a small group of adventurers that hasn't set out yet. You can tell they're adventurers by their weapons and armor, and also because they're not all human. Two of them are, but there's also a tiefling and a half-elf, and they're all just scarfing down an enormous breakfast, maybe a bit delayed in preparing for whatever quest brought them all here. Everyone else in the tavern, and there aren't many at this time of day, appear to be locals, and they are sitting as far from the adventurers as possible. There's no musician in this tavern, no in-house entertainment, and there's just like one bartender and one chef dealing with everyone. So are all the adventurers, do they all look like well-to-do and like well-off? This group is not quite as extravagantly decked out as some of the others. Okay. I guess I think Rill would look down at Linda first and, and like take a cue from her and see where she wants to head first. I think Linda wants to go and order a drink from the bartender and start chatting and see if he'll open up about anything. And I hope that Linda will sort of like communicate that she's more of a bard versus an adventurer. Actually, that's probably what she does. She she goes up and orders a drink at the bar and says something like, what is a local bard hoping to get a gig have to do to get a beer around here? It's like 10 in the morning, Linda. <laughs> well, it's five o'clock somewhere. It's five o'clock somewhere. She has that on like a pillow. Oh, yeah. Or like, uh, like... like a like a margarita shaker. <laughs> anyway, this is a this is a dive bar and the bartender has no qualms about serving you beer at 10 in the morning. He's just like a perfectly average looking human man, a bit of a, a bit of a beer belly, a stained apron. He just tells you like, I'm not hiring. Oh, well, that's that's fine. I'll, I'll just take the drink. So he gives you a beer. Perfect. How much does a beer cost? Two copper. Okay, great. It doesn't seem like they're upcharging at this place. I appreciate that. So then with that being said, then I think Linda would probably just kind of like chat with him a little bit. I think she'd probably say something like, I don't suppose that uh, that you've seen anyone unusual in here recently, have you? It's not like a big belly laugh, but he does just snort at you and gestures over at, well, the tiefling sitting at the table and Rill, the other tiefling. Everyone in this town is a human. Oh, God. All right. And like out in the streets, there are tieflings, half orcs, elves, just like all manner of things. And asking if he's seen anyone unusual is kind of ridiculous to him. Oh, man. Rill just sits outside, holding their knees to themselves and just, like, looking very sad. <laughs> I think Linda would probably probably say something like, You seem like an honest man to me, so tell me, have you seen this fellow? He's a friend of ours. And holds, again, the picture of, of Zephyrine, hoping that she can uh, sort of appeal to this uh, this innkeeper's, you know, straightforward nature. He seems like he just kind of tells it like he sees it. Okay, so he looks at it and he kind of snorts again pretty gruffly and he's like oh yeah him he's been staying here been here for days and then last night he uh 
caused a real damn scene in here. Oh, what happened? A fight broke out. Oh, he he's not usually the fighting type, she says, not actually having any idea. <laughs> the, the, the bartender shrugs and he's just like, well, he was in a fight last night. And he gestures over to the adventuring party sitting at the table. And he's just like, they were here. The constable came and uh, took him off. Oh, boy. Well, well, thank you. I uh, appreciate it. This beer is um, very alcoholic. I will not bother you anymore. Thank you. Have a great day. Enjoy the weather. And so she she stands up and I think, hmm, I don't know, Real, what do you think? Do you want to talk to the party eating breakfast or do you want to maybe just go straight to the constable and see if we can retrieve Zephyrine? Um, let me think. Rill is moping right now, but if you approach Rill and present these options to them, oof, engaging with authority or socializing with strangers, I think they are ready for some lower stakes interactions, so they might or rather, they would prefer approaching the adventuring party first. Cool, I'm good with that. Uh, yeah, Ro will just once again follow after Linda with their t- with their tail maybe wrapped around the corner of like her cloak or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so then I think Linda would go to the group. And is there anyone who's like obviously in charge? Yeah, who's the party face? The tiefling, actually. Oh, perfect. How the turntables. <laughs> she has this rich purple skin, but her, her horns are pretty small compared to Rill's. She smiles at you with devilish fangs, shifting in her seat as you approach her. Her dress is finely made and low cut, but with the skirts divided so that she can move pretty freely. She doesn't look like she's some noblewoman, but an adventurer in her own right. Is she hot? I mean, that's a matter of opinion. Well, what's her charisma? Is her charisma pretty good? (laughs) (laughs) Zen would uh, probably find her attractive. So I think Linda would walk up and sort of like tilt her hat at the tiefling. Not like milady style, but you know. And she would go, well, hello there. I see that you're a tiefling. My friend here is a tiefling. Isn't that fun? My name is Linda the Bard, and I would like to ask you some questions. I hear that there was uh, quite a throwdown last night, and uh, I think a friend of mine might have been involved. So uh, could I could I take a minute of your time, folks? She says, sure, why not? We've got time. Sit down. So Linda takes a seat and uh, does a little pity pat next to her in case Rill wants to come sit too. I think she's just going to pull out her book and say, uh, this is my friend. And I hear that uh, something happened last night and he was here. Did you all did you all see him? Did you see what happened? She says, oh, of course I did. I was here. I don't know what happened. Just out of nowhere, he lunged at me. Oh, my goodness. Are you all right? I'm fine. I'm fine. Fortunately, like half the bar turned against him. And after a minute or two, the constable made it here and dragged him off to the guardhouse, I imagine. As she's telling the story, can I, like, read her expression and see if she's, like, full of shit or not? Do you want to roll insight? Yeah. Go for it. I just want to say, uh, Rill did take a seat next to Linda, uh, but of course they don't sit like a normal person. They sit like a tragic, sad gay, and so they're like, you know, like, L from Death Note? That's how they sit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I got a 10. She does seem very composed for someone who was supposedly attacked and honestly a little pleased with herself. Rill is just like, this is a trick-ass bitch. And kind of just like, just like looking at her observingly almost, but doesn't say anything as she talks to Linda. Yeah, she seems like a mean girl. Oh boy. Oh God. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, like, Rill wouldn't have spoken up or anything. Rill's just looking. So she says, why are you looking for him? Can I do a deception check? Sure. Okay. I got an 18 plus 4, 22. Damn, Linda! And what are you saying? Look, just just between us, you're a girl, right? Just between us girls? He owes me some money. He, uh, he and I used to be in the same guild together, and we had a little wager, and uh, I performed in the best performance of my life. That karaoke bar was not correct to ban me, and <laughs> my my friend would refuse to pay up on that wager. And so I'm, I'm looking for him, and he, uh, he owes me back. She thinks that's pretty funny. And she's like, well, yeah, I'm sure he's still in a cell. 
So where is the guardhouse around here then? So you did actually pass the guardhouse and on your way in, but it's a building so unobtrusive that you might not have even noticed it. On a normal day, like Skullcrag doesn't have any need for, definitely doesn't have any need for knights, and a rotating volunteer militia is really all the local constable needs to keep the peace. Okay. So you said that this lady looks like kind of well-to-do, or not really? Her dress is like, it's not super expensive, but it is well-made. Her companions also have well-made equipment, but that's really uh, the most you can say about it. It's not like extravagant and over the top like some of the other people you've seen in this town. I think Rill would kind of quietly ask. uh, It seems like everyone else who's adventuring seems to be in a hurry. Uh, Are you guys not in a hurry to seek this magical star she looks at you and she grins and she just says i don't think we need to rush uh why is that i mean everyone else seems like there's a lot of competition for it she leans in and she kind of wags a finger at you and she says all the rest of them have been searching for days and days and they haven't found anything i don't see why i need to go out there and bust my ass on the mountain when either there's nothing there Or eventually, eventually someone will find it. And they'll bring it back here. And then I'll know exactly where it is. Oh, uh, that that sounds like a crime. I mean, how long have you been in this town? Kind of scoping things out. Two days. Cool, 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 cool. And then Ro would just kind of like think about it and just like kind of withdraw back into themselves. And I think after hearing that, Linda's kind of like over this lady. Like she, (laughs) that's just not what she does. Like, you can be smart and, you know, you can be, you can get yourself in with people who know what's up, but stealing is like a totally different thing and Linda's not down with that. So I think she's like, oh, you know, thanks so much for your time. And then she just kind of like gets up and like pieces out. So did Zephyrine have a room in this tavern? Uh, Yes, the uh, innkeeper had mentioned that he had been staying there. Would we be allowed to like go up and look through the room? Ask the bartender, I guess. Rill doesn't want to. Uh, So Rill would uh, mention that to Linda, just be like, um, if Zephyrine was kind of thrown into the the jail, kind of all of a sudden, I would assume that meant he didn't get a chance to clean out his personal effects. So it might be worth checking his room if we're allowed to, to see if he left any evidence or whatever. Linda would go back up to the bartender and, uh, and say, hey, friend, uh, so... The fellow I mentioned to you before, uh, is there any chance we could just take a just take a little peek in his room? He looks at you and he says, well, that's bad business, letting people intrude on the privacy of my guests. Uh, Rill would put down a gold piece and just slide it over <laughs> to the bartender, like silently, not saying anything. And he says, you know what? He hasn't paid his tab yet. And he pockets that gold piece. Sounds good. Thank you for the room. Well, we won't be long. And then... Kind of real would wait for Linda to take the lead again. <laughs> okay, so I guess I guess Linda would just like hold her hand out for the key and say thank you. Yep, and so he gives you the key and goes back to his own business. All right, so I guess we'd uh, this is just a one-story building, so I guess we'd go in the back. I guess we'd go find the room that matches the number on the key. And the key gets you right in there, and it is a it's basically a broom closet. All the rooms in this place are. There's a old, tiny bed, and just not much else. Zephyrine has... His personal effects are still in there, just a few changes of clothing, and a lot of books. It seems like he was probably a pretty bookish person. Can we, like, look through the books, or kind of glean his stuff to see if there's anything about, like, meteorites and whatever, or magic rocks? Yeah. I guess that would be, that would be, like, an investigation? Yeah. Okay. Should we both roll? If you want. Yeah. We'll split this up. It's a lot of books. Okay. All right. I got 18 plus 3, 21. Uh, I got a 5 plus 5, <laughs> a 10. All right. So there are a lot of notes in there about like the local flora and fauna. There is some stuff about like space and theory. Like most of it's theoretical. They don't have a lot of like hard science here yet space and meteorites and some of these books seem to be like 
a little more down to earth and some of them are basically like ah yes fallen stars are incredibly powerful and you can use them for all sorts of things and there are a couple of journals too and there's a lot of nonsense in these journals but one of his journals looks a lot like the ones you have Ooh. but it's mostly blank he doesn't have the sort of library writing that the two of you have, but he does have some notes in there about the mountain range and like a hand-drawn map, a lot of question marks, a lot of theory and speculation. It just says aliens, question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> it does say that. Oh my god. <laughs> um, uh, I guess we should take this stuff while we break him out of the jail. Yeah, we should definitely at least grab the journal. How are we going to go about that, by the way? Are we going to try to like break them out like legally, or are we going to like commit some crimes? I think <laughs> we're probably just going to have to pay his bail, but I suppose we need to talk to the constable first. Yeah, I guess I guess so. I guess did he like leave a bag or anything, like a backpack? Yeah, he has a few bags. Mostly bags that books go in. Yes, yeah. I, I guess Rill would take one of the bags and put some put his books in it, and then heft it over their shoulder, and then, um, yeah, I guess we could just start heading over to the jail or whatever. Okay, let's head over to the guardhouse. Oh wait, 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 wait. Hold on. So presumably these adventurers are also staying in this inn, right? Presumably, you don't know that for sure. How many rooms are there? Six. Can I tell which ones are currently being occupied or not? They're all occupied. Well, they're all rented out. They're not all, like, full of people at this exact moment. Can I tell which ones do have people in them? If you go to the door and, like, listen. Okay, yeah, I want to do that. I'm just like, okay, wait, that lady that we talked to, she seemed pretty shifty. Like, it doesn't make sense why Zephyrine would attack her for no reason. So I think we should try to do a bit of investigation and see if there's something they're hiding in their rooms, maybe. I could try to scope these rooms or, and you know, you be lookout or you can try it and I can be lookout, whichever you're most comfortable with. I just don't trust those people there. They, they seem pretty sketchy. So what's your passive perception? My passive perception is 14. And do we want to explain passive perception real quick? I guess it's just kind of like what your character is constantly aware of without like necessarily focusing on anything specific. So some people are just, like, low-level, more aware of their surroundings than others. Yeah, like, before, you know, I've done some active perception checks where I had to roll a dice. That was when I was trying to look for something, like sweeping a crowd or whatever. But this is kind of just, like, I guess sensing your environment or atmosphere or something like that, which I'm trying to do now. I'm trying to see uh, what people are in these rooms or if there are any people in these rooms. Right. So your passive perception is enough that you can just like put your ear to each door and tell whether or not someone is inside. And currently they're all empty. Okay. But all these rooms are small, right? Yes. How many people can fit in each room? Two in a pinch. Okay. And how many people, how many adventuring people are on that table? Four. It was the tiefling, a half elf and two humans. Do I remember what she smells like? <laughs> Roll perception. Okay. Come on. Don't fuck me over now. I want to do so well in this roll. No. I got a seven. <laughs> yeah, you you don't remember her particular scent. This whole town just smells like dirt. <laughs> Linda, L Linda, do you remember what she smells like? Maybe we can smell her perfume or whatever on the door and then we can just go into that that room. From very far away, Zen is like, oh, did she smell nice? <laughs> so this is a perception check. Yes, this is a perception check. I got a 10 plus 3, so that's a 13. Again, most of the rooms pretty much smell like dirt. Oh, dang it. Dirt and sweat. I'll just pick a room and try to pick the lock. Uh, Linda, just be on the lookout. Just, you know, let me know. Okay. You know, like, we need a secret word or, like, I don't know, like an animal call. You know, just like to let me know, uh, you know, in a, in a not suspicious way. Okay. Uh, chirp, chirp, chirp. Does it, does that work? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So, uh, yeah. so Linda's going to keep watch, but she's very nervous about this plan. <laughs> so out of like the six rooms, right? There's six rooms. Yeah. And you've already been in one of them. Okay. 
I don't really care which room I try to go into. What should I do to figure out which room I, you know, because I'm trying to find a woman's room. Yeah. Just say you're picking a room and I will basically roll to see whether or not you are successful. Okay. So I will pick the room next to Zephyrine's. Like how 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 thick are these walls? Like would I be able to hear in a, in in the other room? Like or are these rooms pretty far apart from each other and you couldn't like overhear this shit? They're basically on top of each other and the walls are thin. This is a Motel 6. Okay. Um yeah, so I would pick the the room next to Zephyrine's. Okay. So now you have to try and pick the lock. Yes, sleight of hand. Okay, I'm using a different dice. This dice is not doing me any good. Uh, yes, I got a uh, 21. All right, so you just like slide a lockpick into the door and the security in this place is not good. The door basically just like opens as soon as you push <laughs> on it. Not because it's not locked, but just because the locks don't really work very well. So you're in. And there are two tiny beds in this room, so there's not really a lot of space to, like, walk around. And looking around, one of the bed is, like, neatly made up, and the other one is just covered in, like, nice-looking clothing. Okay, yes. I want to snoop. I want to see if there's anything I can find in this room. Do an investigation check. Uh, so I got a 16 plus 5, another 21, baby. You do find, like, under some of these stacks of clothes, a few sheets of folded up paper. And it looks like they've been torn out of another book. Uh, can I quickly skim, like, what these pages say? So it's just, like, a couple sheets, and you can tell, looking at them, that these pages look like they were torn out of Zephyrine's journal. There's another hand-drawn map, some circles drawn in the mountains, some of them crossed out. It shows the general location of where this star might have fallen, and it notes that on the map, but this circle is crossed out. Hmm. Okay. Crossed out like they were there, or like crossed out like, like an X on the treasure map? Like some of the other circles are crossed out. It basically looks like some locations have been eliminated as options. I'm going to take these pages with me. I'm going to put them in my my pack. And then I still have that half-eaten banana that Linda fed me. And I'm going to leave the half-eaten banana in in the places of the pages as, like, my calling card. And then I will leave the room and lock the door and close the door behind me. And I'm like, hey, hey, Linda. What? What is it? What is it? Is someone coming up the stairs? No, I got got the goods. Let's fucking go. Okay, let's Uh, go. Is there a back door? No. Fuck. <laughs> well, just, just like tuck the pages in with the other books and let's let's fucking roll. Okay. And so as you're discussing this, the tiefling walks back into the hallway. She gives you guys both like a look, a little bit of a stink eye, kind of questioning what you're doing. But you've already gotten out of the room and you've closed the door, so she doesn't seem suspicious necessarily. Uh-huh. And she just walks past you guys and heads towards her room. Uh, yeah, I would just be like, man, the, the layout in this place is pretty crazy. I, I couldn't, could not find the She the just stack. walks right past you. She's not interested in talking to you. <laughs> no, the, like, I'm just, like, talking out loud, like, to Linda. I'm like, okay, let's fucking go. Let's bolt. <laughs> so Linda's definitely, like, on board with you. She's like, let's get out of here. I do not want to get caught stealing stuff. That is not what I do. So. <laughs> it's not stealing. It's reappropriating goods that belonged to us let's go okay (laughs) yeah real would uh power walk out the tavern like this is the fastest you have ever seen them walk (laughs) (laughs) and linda's uh doing a little little trot she's going about as fast as she can without an outright very suspicious jog i think as soon as real leaves the tavern they would start bolting for sure just like running through the crowd (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I guess we just go to the guardhouse at this point. All right. On the way there, I would tell Linda like what I found. Just like, uh, I found pages that look like they were ripped out of Zephyrine's journal. So I I really think that that lady definitely knew what she was trying to do, picking a fight with him. Something is not right. Yeah, she's definitely keeping secrets. So I I took, I, I reappropriated them because, because, you know, they belong to us. Technically, this is library property. And then I left a banana in her bag. 
Linda like giggles to herself a little bit. Like that's like just enough revenge for her where like she feels good about it. <laughs> so remind me, when you left, did you take Zephyrine's stuff with you? Yes. And so now you're heading to the guardhouse? Yes. All right. So the guardhouse is just as small inside as it is on the outside, and you can just walk right in. In fact, it's really just one large room, separated on one side by a wall of iron bars, divided into a couple of cells. This isn't a place that gets a ton of use. This is normally a very small, quiet town. And in the center of the room, sitting at his desk, is a stout man with a huge, bushy beard. If it weren't for his height, you could swear he was a dwarf, but he's not. He's just a dwarfish-looking man. This is the constable, and he is the law in this sleepy little town. In fact, he's half asleep himself, clearly unused to all the excitement around here. In one of the cells, a aging wild elf sits on the floor, because there isn't anything else in the cell. So I guess I'm just going to go up to the constable. Okay. I'm just going to say, hello, officer. And he just, like, jolts awake. Like, oh, <sighs> oh uh, good good morning, officer. Uh, I hope you're doing well. He's, like, looking around at eye level and not seeing you. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm down here. Uh, common mistake. All right, now he makes eye contact. He's like, oh, uh, can I help you? Uh, yeah, so it appears that a friend of mine was in a little bit of a misunderstanding yesterday. It sounds like uh, perhaps someone told you mistakenly that uh, he'd gotten in a little tussle when actually uh, someone had stolen from him and he was just trying to, you know, retrieve his property like like any, you know, good honest man would do. So uh, I was just hoping, you know, maybe we could, uh, maybe we could work something out and you could, you know, let him out of there. He just kind of grunts. He's like, you got any proof of that? Well, um, he probably said that, and now we're saying it. So that's, you know, that's witness. <laughs> that's witnesses. I just don't have any, like, way to prove it other than just saying it, which isn't, like... You could try and roll persuasion. Yeah, I guess I'll try and roll persuasion. That was a persuasive check to just say that more than two people said it, so... Okay, so I rolled a six, plus six is a twelve... Well, so as you're kind of explaining this, Zephyrine in his cell has kind of realized that you guys are here for him. And he doesn't know you, he doesn't recognize you, but he's not... You're carrying his bags, and you're trying to get him out of jail. And so he, like, stands up and holds onto the bars, and he's like, Yes, I told you, this is all just one big misunderstanding. And the constable is just kind of like, even more tired than the knights who were at the gate earlier. He's just like, well, you know, this this sort of thing happens all the time. And when someone gets in a drunken brawl like that, we just bring them in here to cool off. I don't think anyone was hurt. No, no, they're they're fine. I, I went and checked in on them and just, you know, did a little apology and just made sure that they were feeling okay. And they seem, they seem fine. So then he looks at the two of you and he looks at Zephyrine. He's like, well, you know, these things... There's procedure, there's paperwork, and, uh... Rill just goes up and puts down a gold coin and slides it over. <laughs> and that's exactly what he was looking for. <laughs> and he takes that coin and he pockets it, and he gets up and lumbers over to the cell and unlocks it. And kind of shoes his effort out and it's just like, you stay out of trouble. I don't want to see this happen again. Not in my town. Oh my god. Rill's just like trying not to roll their eyes, but they just give like a, a mock salute and then <laughs> walk to Zephyrine and start trying to like ushering him out of the the, the guard Yeah, house. I think Linda's gonna like go to the other side and be like, let's go. He is very easy to move. He doesn't want to like stay in, in jail. He's like, well, I don't, I don't know who you are, but I, I appreciate that. Like, I just bumped into that young woman at the tavern, spilled all my beer all over her nice dress and she threw a fit. Well, no worries about that. Yeah, we're we're with the library, so yes, you know. yes, they sent us here to come and bail you out. So when you mention the library, he frowns, pursing his lips like he's trying to remember another life. And he says, "Oh, the the library. That's uh, that's the research group. They pay me to keep track of unusual events." Which is, ah. it's mostly right, but it's like his understanding is warped to conform to his understanding of reality. 
yeah, yeah, you know, uh, close enough. We are, uh, we heard about your research about the meteorite, uh, and I guess they, you know, they wanted us to look into it and study the effects that it has on the environment. And <laughs> Real just looks at Linda like, uh. <laughs> he says, you don't have to convince me. Like, this is my job to tell them about what I found, and you're here to find it. And you came to the right place because I know what the other people here do not know. Next time on the Eternity Archives. That's where all the adventurers are looking, but they're looking in the wrong place. That woman's gonna find the banana sooner than later, so I guess we should start hoofing it. We can handle ourselves, right? Rill will probably die, but it's okay, as long as they're not being followed. It would be a great sight for someone to lay an ambush. Can I tie a rope to a dagger and then throw the dagger up? Yeah, I didn't see any cougars, but I found a rock. Rill is demoralized by a baby shark. Traumatic brain injury is totally fine. You've been unsure about this for a while now, but you're suddenly certain that you have been followed. The remnants of the fear and rage of the last war still stalk the world, waiting to tear humanity to shreds. Noble demons lurk at the world's margins, sure of their power and heedless of the lives they crush. Enormous automatic siege weapons lie sleeping under the placid fields of a melted world, ready to spring to life and programmed to kill. But don't worry, we're here with you. Welcome to Sword of Symphonies. Join Cobb, Tissa, and Penelope as they navigate the dangerous world of Melta, discover the secrets of its past, and most importantly, look out for each other. I'm Kat, your host, your king, and the game designer behind this actual playtest campaign. And I'm thrilled to meet you. I'm Kathleen, producer, composer, and the one who puts the show together. Join us every week at peachgardengames.com to hear the fruits of my game design and my sound design. Sort of symphonies. Together, we can survive. The Eternity Archives is hosted, produced, and edited by Dorka, Kite, and Ziva. Find us on Twitter at at thearchivespod or online at theeternityarchives.com. Our intro music is Paint the Sky by Hans Adam, and sound effects are obtained from zapsplat.com. Check out our show notes for more info and some helpful Dungeons & Dragons resources. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and subscribe to the Eternity Archives on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. Consider supporting us by telling your friends about us, or leave us a tip at our Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash the eternity archives thanks for listening and we'll see you next time be gay roll dice an lgbtqia actual play podcast network